Welcome to Influencer Business, where influencers get help with the hard stuff. Think of us as your business Bible. We're a team of influencers and entrepreneurs dedicated to bringing professional resources and infrastructure to our community. I'm Rich Scudelari, CEO of Trove. I'm an entrepreneur focused on helping influencers run and grow their businesses with the resources and information they need. I host this podcast as well as a live webinar called Office Hours, which takes place every Wednesday. Here, I dig deeper into each weekly topic and answer all of your most pressing questions. Our weekly podcast features guests from across the professional landscape, sharing their experiences and advice and answering questions from the Trove community, which you can submit on our website at www.trovebusiness.com. Welcome back to Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Scudelari. Today, we're tackling the final episode in our protection series. Episode one was all about personal data protection and privacy as an influencer. In episode two, we illustrated the protections that you can get from incorporating your influencer business. And today, I'm really excited because we are going to be tackling a topic that is sorely misunderstood in the industry, copyright law. Content creation has exploded in the last decade, and the sad reality is that for every piece of content that's being created, it's stolen many times over. And as a content creator, I'm sure that each of you has experienced this theft in one form or another. The hard part is, one, you probably don't know the laws that protect your content. Two, you likely don't have lawyers on retainer to help you when you do have your content stolen. And three, you may not know that there is one thing above all else that can help you protect your content. Instead of doing a lengthy preamble, we're going to jump right into the interview today, where we're going to talk about everything from what a copyright is, who owns it, how to take action if your content is stolen, and how to make sure that you get paid. Today, we're going to be joined by Leslie Burns, a copyright attorney from California. Leslie, by her own admission, is a total nerd who fled academia in the 90s to work for a photographer as his studio manager, producer, and rep. She eventually launched her own photographer repping company before moving to San Diego, where she consulted for photographers. She got a full ride to law school in 2008 and passed the California bar in 2011. She went to law school with the specific goal of becoming a copyright attorney and ever since has been representing primarily visual artists and serving as an advocate for creatives in general. She also has a very very prolific blog where she covers a variety of interesting legal topics and issues faced by entrepreneurs who are running small creative businesses. You can see more by checking out our website at burnstheattorney.com. Without any further ado, here's our conversation with Leslie. I'm joined now by Leslie Burns, a practicing California attorney. But at the outset, I want to mention that Leslie is has been kind enough to join us today but anything that she says is for informational purposes only. If you have a legal question, uh, you should definitely consult an attorney. What she is talking about today should not be construed as legal advice. But with that out of the way, Leslie, thank you so much for joining us. Glad I could be here. So before we jump into kind of the heart of the matter, you actually got started in law a little bit later, perhaps, than most folks. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be a copyright lawyer. Uh, a little bit later. That is so generous. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm older than I want to admit. Um, I started off as an academic, actually. I did uh, my PhD coursework at The Ohio State University and quit before I actually uh, took my exams and did my dissertation. Um, this was before the Me Too movement, and let's just say that that would have made a difference. Um, uh, but so my, uh, my background was in things like medieval French literature and linguistics. Uh, but I always, I grew up in a house of creatives. I was always interested in art. It was something I've always done. My family are a bunch of artists. Um, 
And I had good friends who were. So when I quit uh, academia, I was uh, hired by a friend of mine who was a photographer as his studio manager because he knew that part of my brain worked and his didn't. Um, mm -hmm. So I started with him. And from there, I ended up becoming his rep and then repped some other photographers. And that moved into um, consulting. I moved from the Midwest to the West Coast and uh, gave up the repping and moved just into the consulting. And I'd always wanted to go to law school. My father was a small town attorney, general practitioner, and I admired the way he practiced law. But I never wanted to go into massive debt to do it. Yeah. So um, luckily, I'm very good on standardized tests. And so um, I took the LSAT again. And a college here, a law school here in San Diego said, we'd like to give you a full ride. Hey, why not? Said, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I went very late. Um, but I, it was great. It was a wonderful experience. Um, and luckily, I passed the California bar on the first try when it was still three days. And here I am. That is very impressive. But how did you end up in copyright? Obviously, you had the background in photography as a rep, but how did you actually end up as a copyright attorney? Oh, early on, uh, the, uh, the first photographer I'd worked with had uh, a bunch of his work ripped off. And so it was my first experience with copyright. Unfortunately, he had not registered any of it. And the uh, person who had ripped him off was very well known in the industry. And it would have been a very ugly fight. And it would have been very difficult to prove up damages. And so he felt stuck. But I did a bunch of research at that point, And I said, you know, it's just ridiculous. It, small artists are just getting ripped off right and left. And this was early in the internet. Yeah. This is the, the, the 1990s. Um, and, uh, and it was just starting then. And I was like, this is so unfair. And the more I learned about it, the more I thought, Hey, you know, this is, this is something somebody needs to stand up for these people. And, uh, I come from a bunch of loud mouth, pushy people. Too, so. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of worked for me. Um, so I was always, I was very much uh, into being self-taught in that. Um, and, uh, and then law school, of course, you know, was a perfect fit. I started law school and said, you know, I, I intend to be a copyright attorney, but if something else you know, raises its head and says, you should do this instead. I'll do that. But the whole time it was copyright, copyright, copyright. Got it. Well, that's awesome. Well, let's, I think that's a natural uh, transition into the main topic this week. So how bad is copyright infringement these days, particularly as it relates to, to image copyright? Oh, it is so frustrating. Infringement is rampant. Um, it's an understatement. Uh, constantly, constantly people see stuff online. There's still this sense that, well, if it's online, it's free. I can just take it and use it, um, which is unfortunate because it's just, that's not the case. Recently, Google um, added more information uh, in their search process. So if you do a search for an image, you get the image now, you get the, um, the copyright owner and you get the metadata about the image. So that's data that is embedded in the image, in case you don't know that. Um, and it includes things like who owns it and uh, you know, how you can get in contact with them quite often, URL, a bunch of other data too. Um, and so that's now much more uh, visible in a Google search, which is great. But even before that, they still had at least the images maybe subject to copyright down at the bottom of any um, search you did. But people still will just ignore that and they you know, right click or drag it off onto their desktop and use it all sorts of ways. And so it's, it's a big problem. Yeah. Can you share maybe a few anecdotes of, of recent infringements that you've seen uh, just so people can kind of keep an eye on what they should be looking for? Um, it's hard to say that there's anything specific without, you know, sort of revealing case stuff, but I can tell you in general, um, 
I have uh, one, one client who does a lot of um, architectural photography, for example, and he finds his work constantly being used by um, real estate companies, for example, because they think, oh, you know, this person has shot this building and I'm leasing property in this building so I can just use it. When in fact you can't, you need to license that sort of thing. So there are a lot of situations like that. Um, I have uh, some photographers I work with who are lifestyle photographers and um, they get their work ripped off often by bloggers who are talking about um, you know, using it as some sort of illustration where it's like, you know, I got out and did a bunch of jogging today. I don't have a photo of me, but here's this photo I found online of somebody being healthy and jogging. So I'm going to use that. Those sort of things you see all the time. Right. So a lot of our listeners are influencers and bloggers. And as you can imagine, um, you know, are in that camp, not only on the need imagery side, but also creating their imagery. So if you're listening to this and you're an influencer, if you don't want your stuff stolen, don't be stealing other people's stuff. There's, there's so many great resources out there for free content, right? Something like Unsplash, for instance, I would imagine it's something that you'd be supportive of. Um, actually, no, (laughs) I'm not a a big fan of those. Um, I think that, that people should get paid for their work. Sure. It's as simple as that. Um, and so, uh, places that give away free photography, first of all, there's two things about it. A lot of them, not Unsplash, but a lot of them are actually illegal. They've, they've, they've stolen the work in the first place and then they're offering it for free. So you want to make sure you're using a legitimate source when you are doing, using one of those sources, but also, um, you know, a lot of people make their living making photography. And so you can buy a license, and an unlimited license for like 60 bucks or less. I mean, for a really good one, you can spend 60 bucks. You can get really cheap ones for a couple of bucks. And it's just, I think it's also good karma. Pay a little, comes back to you. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think most of us are used to the Getty images that try to charge an arm and a leg uh, for photos, but, um, you're right. I think like something like Shutterstock, for instance, offers more, a lot more reasonable rates that you can have as, uh, an influencer who's looking to build their business. Well, the other side of that is that if you're an influencer and you're using, um, imagery that's not yours and you're going online to find it, it is really in your best interest to make sure you're using a legitimate site, um, to get those images because, um, Copyright infringement is something that's called strict liability. So even if you don't know that you're infringing, but you are infringing, you could still be held liable. You will still be held liable. And so you might get a letter from me saying, hey, guess what? (laughs) You stole my client's image and you'll go, hey, no, I got it off of this site. And I'll say, well, okay, you got to prove that first of all. And second of all, it's still an infringement because they didn't have the right to give you that image. And it, you know, it gets ugly and you might not pay as much in that situation, but you're still going to probably end up paying something. So better to avoid it. The next thing I want to talk about is what is a copyright violation? At, at, the, at, the, at the very basic level, what is a copyright violation? What should people be looking for? Well, copyright is a series of rights. There's a bunch of exclusive rights that an owner of a copyright has. And it's so technically it's a violation of any of those rights. Usually what it is, is somebody uses a work of art or music. Um, I use art as the general term for anything creative uh, without the permission of the owner. So if you, you know, copy a, a piece of music and use it on your blog, that would be bad um, without permission. If you do that with an image or a video, same thing. There are some exceptions, but generally, if you use something without permission, that's going to be a violation. 
Got it. So most of the our listeners are folks who take uh, images and video predominantly, create content in the form of images and video, post them to their Instagrams, post them to their blogs, Pinterest, all of that. Um, and they get ripped off all the time. And everybody has a story about their image ending up on a plastic surgery website or ending up on, you know, promoting some product that they, you know, or on a billboard. We've actually had billboards both in foreign countries and domestically. Uh, people have reported that their faces have shown up. Um, so those are the obvious cases. But talk to me really quickly about something like a magazine, an online editorial magazine or an online newspaper using your image, but crediting you as the owner of the copyright. Is that still infringement? Yep. <laughs> it's an easy answer. Yeah, it is. It's almost assuredly so. Um, just because you give attribution does not reduce the penalties at all. It is still an infringement. Um, and a lot of people think that think otherwise. That's a big myth in copyright. Um, there are a few exceptions. Um, okay. You'll hear about fair use. And yeah, that was going to be my next question. What about fair use? Yeah, fair use is a much smaller thing than people think. Um, it gets a lot of press because you'll hear about cases where it actually worked. Um, everybody says it's fair use. Every infringement, somebody says, oh, it's fair use. But it's actually a really limited exception to copyright. And it's very difficult to prove. If you're somebody who's been accused of infringement, you have to prove it. And it's, it's really, really complex. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to rely on that. Usually um, fair use is going to be something where it is truly educational. As in like you work for a university and you are critiquing a book and you've taken a citation from a book without permission. That's going to be fair use, or you're critiquing a piece of art. It's usually critique. Um, parody is the other exception. And parody doesn't just mean I saw something and then I made something funny that was sort of related to it. Technically, parody means you're making fun of the original piece of art itself. Got it. So um, so yeah, you, you don't want to rely on those. Um, the thing is with, with copyright, most people, if you ask them for permission, They'll say, yeah, sure, that's great. Go ahead and use it. Right, so, because there's some benefit there, right? You, you get more exposure, especially if it's a massive website. Yeah. You know, that's, you know if it's a, some sort of major editorial publication, you know, a lot of our folks are fashion or beauty bloggers. Uh, and if it's, a, if it's a big editorial publication with a lot of traffic, it could really give you a ton of credibility. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just always think it makes more sense to ask first. And the worst you're going to get is no. And you're no worse off than you were by than not asking. Yeah. So talk about it from the influencer's perspective for a second. I find somebody has been using my images. Sounds to me like 99% of the time, it's going to be a violation if I haven't given, given permission. But what if that infringer is actually someone that I work with on the regular? Right. So let's say I have a relationship with an editorial magazine. I've done a shoot with them in the past, but they've taken one of my images and I want to get paid for it. Right. Or I at least want to get credit for it. How do I go about dealing with that in an effective way without completely ruining the business relationship, but also getting paid what I'm owed? Well, the first thing I think is everybody should take a breath when that happens. You want to take a second and calm down because the first thing is it feels like a violation. And I've made this comparison recently. Recently, um, Copyright to me, it's a consent issue. Um, so yeah, it's all about permission and saying, and saying yes or no. So when somebody violates that, it's really personal. And somebody's using your stuff without asking. It's theft. It's, you know, it's a violation. It feels icky. So you need to take a breath and then you need to think what is going to 
make me whole or feel as good as I can about this? What, are, what is my goal in the long run? Is it, I just want to get money now, or is it, I want to get, um, you know, I want to be told want my name out there. I want people to know that it was me who actually made this work or, you know, whatever it is, you should figure out what your goal is. If it's an existing client, I tend to say, you know, you don't necessarily want to burn that bridge unless you don't want to work with that client again. So don't come out with your guns blaring. Come come to them gently and say, hey, I'm sure this was an accident, <laughs> <laughs> but I found this and we don't have an agreement for this one. Where should I send the invoice? Very politely saying, listen, this is not going to fly. I like you, but we need to continue this relationship so that it benefits both parties. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, yeah, it gives them a chance to save face too. That's a good way to let the other side save face. And I think that's something you have to think about when you approach any sort of disagreement is you got to let the other side save face to get to a mutually agreeable solution. Right. Right. Now, if you have no prior relationship with the offending party, Next steps are the same, different. What would you, what, what do you generally see being the most successful route? Um, same thing, figure out what your goals are. If it's, a, if it's an organization you would never want to have anything to do with, and I have this going on recently. Uh, one of my clients had a situation where an organization used uh, her work and it was if somebody that she would never, ever have anything to do with. You know? And, and yeah. so she's like, you know, just go, go get them. I don't care what you do, just go get them, um, which makes perfect sense. But if it's somebody you're like, oh, you know, I would actually like to have a business relationship with this organization, then you have to change how you approach them. I think it's good to come to them and again say, hey, I really appreciate that you like my work enough to use this. How can we make this mutually beneficial? You obviously want to use my work. I want to make a living. How can we make this work out? Yeah. But if you know, if it's somebody you don't want to work with, then um, I suggest talking to an attorney. <laughs> you know, of mm-hmm. course I'm going to say yeah. that because you're not going to make any mistakes that way. Your attorney is hopefully going to be able to do the right things for you and save you from yourself. Exactly. No, it's interesting. Oh, well, I'm the, I'm the product of two attorneys, uh, as is my wife, Mary. Um, and so growing up in that environment, I always have the same reaction. Uh, the benefit of, of in involving an attorney early on is a few things. One, pattern recognition. They've seen and done this a lot more than you have as an influencer. They're going to know the right language. They're going to know how to approach it. They're going to know the law, obviously. And it allows you to operate with a lot more confidence. Whereas if you're sending these notices and letters yourself, are you asking for too much? Are you bordering on extortion? Like th- there are some very fine lines that you have to watch out for. The, the other side is actually usually more of the situation. It's usually that, that, that people undervalue their work. Mm. So yeah. if you think about, you know, how much it costs just to buy a billboard, yeah, to buy that space on a billboard. And if you go to them and you say, oh, well, you know, I want $500. That's, <laughs> they're getting away really cheap, you know, yeah. but you, $500 might be, hey, I'm going to make rent this month. Um, when in fact, it's worth thousands of dollars. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, again, just to reiterate, if you're listening to this, Leslie has joined us kindly. All of this information is for informational purposes only. And if you ever get in a situ- situation like this, you certainly should consult an attorney. Uh, this Don't take this as legal advice. This is purely for informational purposes. Um, but uh, taking a step back, I think one of the common 
issues that people struggle with is who actually owns the copyright of a work. In this case, the images and the videos that these influencers are producing, because if the influencers are actually in the images, they're not the ones pressing the shutter button. So who actually owns the copyright to the photos that they're using and posting? I'm really glad you asked that because for influencers, it is a complex question. Um, In most situations, it's whoever is creating the work, it automatically owns the copyright. Unless that person is an actual employee of somebody else, then that company owns the copyright. So if you have, you know, Betty Influencer and uh, she has her friend Jane make a video of her, Jane's going to own the copyright. If there's no other agreement or anything between them, that's Jane's copyright for making the video. That's really tricky. Yeah. So you need to have a bunch of paperwork done ahead of time. And this stuff all needs to be done before you make the video. You need to have a signed agreement with the person making the video that says, I transfer any of my copyrights and anything I'm creating for you to you. Okay. And that's called a copyright assignment. What about the whole kind of work for hire situation? You hear about that a lot, as, as in that will actually help you and, and make sure that you own as the influencer who's getting their photo taken, uh, that you'll actually own the copyright if you have a work for hire clause in the contract. Yeah, work for hire sounds good. Um, it's actually not a great idea, I think, for most influencers, especially in the state of California. If you're in California in particular, you don't want to do that because it puts all sorts of extra um, obligations on you. Um, you automatically become an employer with all that stuff where you have to actually provide the right insurance, et cetera, et cetera. So in California, definitely do not do it. Um, but in other states, um, it may not actually cover you. Technically, work for hire is a smaller category than people think. You can't just say it's a work for hire. Um, but so that's why a copyright transfer or a copyright assignment clause is a much better thing to do. What about, so I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this and realizing, oh no, I don't actually own my own copyright, the copyrights to my own images. Can they do anything after the fact? Yeah, the, a copyright transfer can be done at any time. Okay. So you can go back to the artist and say, or, or the photographer, however you, whatever term you want to use for the person who made the video. Um, hopefully it's still somebody you have a good relationship with and say, hey, I just realized that technically, legally, I need to have the copyright for this. Would you mind signing this agreement? And they have to sign the agreement, not you. It's a, and it's, it's an assignment clause. It's an assignment document. And the person who owns the right has to sign it. It's like signing your title over in your car. Now, is there any exception here in, in the case of folks who are married? Uh, you know, is there is there any kind of you know joint ownership? Um, not exactly. Uh, what you are entitled to in, in states that have community property, and again, California has a weird exception here. Um, there are only a few community property states, and in those states, what you get is you get a fifty percent right to their 50% ownership of the proceeds that can be generated from the copyright, but you don't actually own half of the copyright if you're married to a creator. Got it. Um, But in California, there's this weird court case that says, yeah, you do own 50% of the copyright, which I think someday is going to be overturned because it kind of conflicts with federal law. Um, But for this point, yeah, problems and everything they do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm from the Midwest. I moved out here and every so often I just go, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm from California originally. So that's, that's where I grew up and things just get complex quickly. Yeah. So, but I think the moral of the story here is 
content creators, get your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your partner, whoever it is to sign over those copyrights. I know that as soon as I leave the booth here, that um, uh, my wife is going to have me sign them over for sure. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to make sure you do this while, you know, while you still have a good relationship with somebody, think about that. You don't want to end up breaking up with somebody, having this horrible breakup, going through all that emotional stuff, and then having to go to them and go, oh, by the way, would you sign over your copyrights? Yeah, good luck, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, one other thing I want to talk about is the types of damages that you can actually get from somebody infringing upon your copyright. Because ultimately, you want to get paid if somebody's using it, and it's not somebody that you're interested in working with long-term. How do you go about doing that? What steps do you take to make sure that you can maximize your outcome? Uh, the best thing you can do is register the copyrights in your work. So copyright exists at the moment of creation. You know, I like to say you click the shutter. Um, every time you click the shutter, copyright is created. Fantastic. But that's only going to do you so much good. Um, in the legal system, in the court system. You have to register the work to even go to court to sue somebody. So you should go ahead and register it as soon as possible because then you get these added benefits, these things called statutory damages. Mm -hmm. And you may be able to get attorney's fees. We'll get into that in a sec. But statutory damages are these damages that are written into the law. And there's a, a range that's $750 is the minimum, $30,000 is the maximum for just a, for a non-willful infringement. Somebody just uses your work and they weren't going, I want to infringe. They just used the work. Mm -hmm. So the, the court's got to pick a number between those two numbers. Right. That, that, and that's incredible, right? Because if you have to prove out the damages yourself and you have to prove the amount of money that was made by the infringement party, that onus is now on you in yeah. the court of law as opposed to, hey, in the law, it says the numbers between this and this. And so you're guaranteed that type of outcome. But you can't, my understanding is that you can't register past a certain point and still be eligible for these statutory damages. Is that right? Um, sort of. Okay. So you can, um, if you register, so you, you publish something, you put something up on Instagram, you share it with everybody. That's probably publication under the, the, uh, under the rules of the, uh, copyright office, which is, is weird. Publication isn't what everybody thinks publication is, but close enough. Sure. So you publish the work you have within those three months after that first publication, if you register your copyright, it's as if you registered it on the first day that you published it. And so anything that gets infringed after that, any infringement that happens after that, you can get statutory damages. Mm -hmm. If you wait after those three months right, and you go, oh, I just realized I should register my copyright and it's been two years or 10 years, then anything that happens before you registered, you can't get the, the statutory damages. They are not available. But anything that happens after the registration, you can get the statutory damages. Got it. Okay, so moral of the story is, Go register your images now, regardless of how long ago you took them, because anything that happens at this point forward, you can still recoup statutory damages for, even if your photo was taken 10 years ago. Right. That's, that's really incredible. And it's actually not that expensive to do. It's only 55 bucks for a batch of 750 images. So if you're an influencer, doing it once a quarter, every three months, religiously, will guarantee you the ability to have to claim statutory damages on every single photo you ever take if you start doing that now. Yeah, I've, I've worked out the math before and I actually have it on my website someplace. So I can't remember exactly which article it's in, mm -hmm. um, that it, it's really, really cheap insurance. Yeah. So you know, if, if you registered every month, 
you know, even if not even every quarter, but every month, and you got like one infringement case, you're still going to make more money than it costs you to register yeah. all of those. It's incredible. And the system has actually improved significantly is my understanding. So, I mean, from my perspective, having done it, it's actually not that hard to do. Yeah, I'm always surprised when people are like, oh, it's so complicated. It's like, well, the first time you might want somebody to hold your hand, but once you've done it once, then it, it's it's much easier. And it is, I mean, it's a governmental website. It's going to be a little tweaky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a little, it, maybe not as, as nice as it would be. But a question I have on the statutory damages, that's a wide range, $750 to $30,000. There clearly is some subjectivity there. How does that play out? Um, so you don't have to prove up any harm, any damages whatsoever to get in that range, anything in that range. But courts like to have something to go on. So if you have licensed your work for a certain amount of money and you can prove that up, they'll look at that number and they'll say, okay, it should be more than that, but at least gives us something to start with. Or if the um, infringers got really, really deep pockets, part of the reason for statutory damages is the, um, the government said, we want to tell people not only you have to pay what you owe the other side for using the work, but we're going to ding you for not doing it the right way. Yeah. So it's going to be a higher number than what you actually would get if they had licensed it legitimately. Um, so they look at the, you know, the market rates, things like that. And they try to come up with a decent number. The other thing is that the, the high end number, if somebody, if you can prove something called willfulness and it's legal willfulness, Um, which means either the infringer was completely reckless about it, they just totally ignored whether or not it was copyright protected, Mm -hmm. or they saw it and they deliberately used it anyway, then the maximum number goes up to $150,000. Good. That is... That is incredible. And, and how do you prove that? What are, what are ways in which you can prove that or, or things that you can do as an influencer to make sure that people are very aware that these images are copyrighted? Uh, watermark um, or credit line close to the image. That's something called um, copyright management information or CMI. Mm-hmm. And you want to have that as close as possible to the work, if not on the work. And I know you're putting a watermark on images. You're like, ooh, it ruins the image. But it's actually a really great way to prove willfulness. If somebody's, if it's right there, they can't say, well, I didn't know it was copyrighted because you've got it right there. Put the little copyright symbol, put the year that you first published it and your name. Mm -hmm. Boom. Yeah. That's also a copyright notice, and it's got another benefit legally. It saves you from um, something that infringers can claim. It's called innocent infringement, and it just lowers the, the starting point for the damages. And they can't even say it's innocent if you've got a copyright notice on your work. Sounds like another form of very cheap insurance to me. Yep. Yeah. That's, uh, so if you're listening to this, stop what you're doing, press pause, go to the U.S. copyright website and just start doing all of your copyrights right now, because as Leslie just said, one infringement will pay back in many fold the amount that it costs just to register those images. So, well, taking a quick step back here and and the kind of the final question for our influencers is as an influencer, as a content creator, what are the two or three things you would have me do to make sure that I'm always protecting my images? Obviously, one has to be registering them, but what are some of the other things that maybe we haven't talked about yet that you would encourage influencers to do as they think about protecting their work? Um, Like I said, definitely getting contracts with whoever is um, making the images if it's not you. If you're not doing all selfies, you want to make sure that you have a good contract with whoever is doing that. 
Um, the other thing is, as we said, registering the images, using credit lines, um, uh, preferably a credit line in the form of copyright notice. That's a huge, huge, huge thing. But you also want to make sure that when you're making images and you've got like friends in the images, it's not just you, you want to make sure that you have a model release of for them. So you want them to sign a model release saying, it's okay if you use my likeness, my, that my face is appearing in your stuff. And it does, it's not just a face, by the way, but anything that somebody could say, hey, that's me, that's a likeness. You want to make sure that you have the rights to be able to republish that person's likeness. So get them to sign a model release. Is that also a little bit of a form of protection for influencers who don't own the copyright for their images? Because it sounds to me like in order, if let's say you have a photographer who's taken photos for you as an influencer, they own the copyright to your photos, which is not ideal. But then they want to turn around and sell those images to a retailer, an editorial publication who's then going to use them. Yeah. Is that ownership of your image and likeness? It's the right to publicity, right? That yeah. you have the right to manage that. And there has to be a release in place in order for any commercial use of the images to be take place. Exactly. And it can be very limited. I mean, you could, if, if your face is in the, in the photograph and somebody else owns the copyright and they want to sell it to Nike, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that's going to be worth a lot. You could say, well, you can only sell it to Nike, but you're going to have to pay me to give right. you the release. So mm -hmm. it is, it, it's, it is a thing of value that is worth trading for you know money or something else. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it is a way. And if you don't want it to be used, you can say no. Um, and then they can't use it for those commercial purposes. There are some things that you can do with images and likenesses um, under the First Amendment. Um, fine art use is okay without a release. Okay. But anything commercial, you got to have a release. Well, a very complex subject and actually really in, in, a, in a really interesting way, completely misunderstood by the general populace, it sounds like. Uh, certainly, I've learned an incredible amount just talking to you over the course of, uh, you know, our relationship and and this conversation, certainly. But it, if if there are, it sounds to me like there are actually quite a number of laws in place that protect the content creators in really great ways. And the content creators just have to educate themselves and take advantage of them. Yeah, I mean, and influencers are in this great place because they're both creating content um, and uh, on multiple levels. And so they've, you know, it's, I think that they've got a wonderful way to um, monetize their work. They just need to be aware of it and, um, and use that influence, if you'll excuse the pun, <laughs> you know, in the right way um, to, to, so they can make a living, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for joining us today on Influencer Business. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. An incredible amount of information you've conveyed to our audience. And, and I know, have no doubt that the U.S. Copyright Office will see a bunch of new registrations over the course of the next 24 hours. We can really hope so. And um, if people have questions about it, first of all, the U.S. Copyright Office has got some great tutorials online. Um, I have some information on my website as well, burnstheattorney.com. Um, so, and there are a lot of other uh, good attorneys out there, not just me, who can definitely help you as well. Absolutely. So if you have any questions, those are the two places you can go, the U.S. Copyright Office, and of course, visiting Leslie's website, Burns the Attorney. Dot com. Um, well, thank you, Leslie. Again, it's been a wonderful it's been a wonderful conversation. Great to have you on Influencer Business. Thank you so much. 
We really appreciate Leslie joining us for this interview. And if you want to learn more about Leslie or reach out to her about something, please visit her website at burnstheattorney.com. To quickly recap some of the key points. First, make sure that you own the copyrights to your images, because if you're in them, you likely don't by default. A work-for-hire clause will probably not cover you in this case, so make sure that you have a copyright assignment in each of your contracts. Two, register, register, register. Make sure you register your images, because if you have even one infringement for a properly timed registration of an image, it will more than cover all of the registration fees, and it gives you incredible protection. You should be compensated for your work, especially if it's stolen, and this is one way you can make sure that you will be. If you do find an infringement, reach out to a lawyer. Many will do a free consultation, and they can be extremely helpful in getting you the best outcome possible because most creatives generally undervalue themselves and their work. If someone is using an image of you in a commercial manner, even if you don't own the copyright, it is illegal if you haven't signed a model release. So make sure you protect your likeness and take action. Finally, don't infringe on other people's work. We believe in good karma here, so treat other people's content like you want them to treat yours. Copyright is all about permission, so make sure you get it before using somebody else's content. There's a ton of misinformation out there on the internet about copyright law, and when it comes down to it, if somebody is using your images without your permission, there's probably a violation. And if you don't want them using your content, or you want credit, or you want to get paid, feel confident that there are ways for you to reach out to get your desired outcome. We cover all of this and more in tremendous detail on our website, so make sure you head to trovebusiness.com to find out more. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Influencer Business. I want to thank my good friend, Pete Crimmy. He is recording and mixing each of these episodes at Sound Lounge, New York's premier audio post studio. Join us next week where we start our next series, Building Your Team. Everything from interviewing to hiring to firing. It's going to be a phenomenal series, one you won't want to miss. I'm your host, Rich Gudelari, and this has been Influencer Business. 